Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, to tell you the truth, I kind of like to avoid the topic of the gospel for today. I'll tell you why. It just stirs up such passionate feelings in people, and there's such enormous disagreement about it. I'm talking about this issue of how many will be saved. Now, if you doubt me, there's a lot of controversy about this. Go on the Catholic Internet space sometime, and you'll see how this question gets knocked around a lot and how much anger it stirs up all around the place. Will everyone go to heaven? Will only some go to heaven? Will most go, perhaps after a long stay in purgatory? Will almost everyone go to hell? The, the, the bottom line, quite frankly, is nobody knows. But man, are folks willing to share their perspectives on this with extraordinary energy? And listen, every one of the positions I've just mentioned, trust me, finds ardent defenders. And every one of them can quote the scriptures and the saints in support of the position. <laughs> so, again, go on the internet space if you, if you doubt me and see the extraordinary energy and disagreement around this issue of how many will be saved. Now, to be fair, this question is indeed explicitly broached in the New Testament. And our gospel for today, taken from the Gospel of Luke, is a locus classicus. It's one of the great places people look to see what the answer is. So let's look at the setting for the story. Luke tells us that Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. And someone asks him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? And the famous answer comes back, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Now, before we extrapolate from this exchange and consider the issue very generally, and see, that's what I think a lot of people do, is you'll take that little exchange or this particular story and we'll say, well, clearly that's about the issue of you know, how many are going to heaven. Well, I think it is, but it's also very important to attend to the context and historical setting of this exchange. I think it'll actually shed a lot of light on it. What we have here is one Jew asking another Jew, a well-known rabbi, his opinion on this issue of how many will be saved. It's one Jew asking another Jew within an entirely Jewish or Israelite frame of reference. And that's, I think, very important to understand what's at stake here. When the man references the few who will presumably be saved, right? So, Lord, is it just a few who are going to be saved? What's he thinking of? 
he's probably thinking of himself and his fellow Orthodox and upright Jews who, due to their chosen status and their following of the law and the covenant, have an inside track on salvation. By implication, who are the many in this framework who presumably won't be saved? Well, probably in his mind, it's all the Gentiles, all those whom God has not chosen, whom he has not given the gift of the law. See, my guess is, is one Jew speaking to another, one Jew asking a rabbi within a Jewish framework, that's probably what's on his mind. Is, isn't it true, rabbi, that, that just we few chosen people will be saved and the vast majority of the human race will not be saved? In other words, what's probably undergirding this question is a kind of presumption of exclusivity and superiority. And see, everybody, once we see this, much of what Jesus says now in the wake of it begins to make much greater sense. So listen now to the Lord. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then you will stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. So that kind of devastating image, right? Someone seeking entry after the master has gone to sleep and they're knocking on the door, please let me in. And, and well, I mean, you know me. That's, that's what the person's saying. Come on, I mean, I, we're, we're friends here and I've, you, you've taught on, on my streets. You know who I am. And the man will say, I, I don't know who you are. How do we read this now? I think this way. In other words, just because you as an Israelite, are physically and psychologically close to the Messiah, that's no guarantee of salvation. Let me say that again. Just because you, as an Israelite, remember this is one Jew talking to another, one Jew talking to a rabbi, just because as an Israelite you're physically and psychologically close to the Messiah, it's no guarantee that you'll be saved. You're Religious and ethnic status, in other words, will not be enough. Hey, you're, you're one of us. I, I'm, I'm one of you. You taught in my streets. I, I know you, but that's not enough. Which is why, and I think here's the hinge upon which this whole thing turns, even Israelite followers of Jesus have to enter by the narrow gate. Now, what's that? What's he talking about? So he's saying, look, don't rely on your status. Don't rely on your, your ethnic identity. That's not enough. you got to enter by the narrow gate. Well, keep in mind how the story commences. It commences with the Lord's journey to Jerusalem, and that always means one thing in the Gospels, right? That means the cross. When Jesus is going up to Jerusalem, he's going to the cross, the narrow gate is what? It's the path of discipleship 
which Jesus described famously as taking up your cross every day and following the Lord. So that's the answer he gives. Lord, I want to say, my guess is just a few of us faithful, a few of us ethnic Israelites, we're the ones who will be saved. And he's saying, ah, don't, don't rely on that. He says now to everybody, Jew and Gentile alike, enter by the narrow gate, take up the path of discipleship. Now, if any doubts remain about this interpretation, listen to the rest of what Jesus says. I think now it takes on a whole new clarity. Listen. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. Remember, this is Rabbi Yeshua one Jew speaking to another Jew. What he's saying is, in other words, you'll see the great heroes of Israel sitting in heaven, but you, a Jew, you, an Israelite, cast out. And what you'll see instead are what? Despised Gentiles sitting at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, are there the few who will be saved, like just us, chosen people. Well, no, if the new criterion is, is walking the path of discipleship behind the Lord, they're going to come from the north and the south and the east and the west. Even those non-Jews, those Gentiles who walk the path of discipleship will get in. And you, perhaps, who presumed on your prerogatives will not. Now, remember something, everybody. Luke, the author of this gospel, was a companion of Paul. Paul, for whom this issue of Jews and Gentiles was absolutely central. Without for one moment turning his back on his own people, just the contrary. I mean, uh, read Romans 9 to 11 if you doubt me on this. So without turning his back for a second on his own people, Paul kept insisting that Gentiles, too, are heirs of the kingdom. What's Paul telling us in Romans and Galatians and all throughout his writings? That people will come from the north and the south and the east and the west, and they'll sit at table with the great heroes of Israel, because Israel now is meant to be the magnet by which the whole world is drawn. He saw Jesus, the true Israelite, as the one who would draw all the nations of the world. Okay, so now I think we see what's really at stake here. Jesus is warning in this passage against presumption in regard to salvation. Hey, I'm an insider. I'll be saved. Hey, I'm this or that. There, I'll be saved. Hey, nothing to worry about. I'm okay. No, no, he's warning about that. You know, I've always loved what the Council of Trent says on this score. The Council Fathers of Trent said that two extremes are always to be avoided in this matter. Presumption and despair. We tend either to presume upon salvation or we 
despair of salvation. Both are wrong attitudes. What should we do? And I'd say very much in light of what Jesus is saying here in this passage. What should we do? We should keep our hope alive, and we should strive to walk the path of discipleship. Let me say it again. We should keep our hope of salvation alive, and we should strive to walk the path of discipleship. Don't presume, and he's saying that clearly in this passage, don't presume on any grounds. But don't despair either. Everyone's going to be saved. No problem. Don't worry about it. That's, that's one problem. But the other one is, well, I guess no one's going to be saved. Or only a teeny tiny handful will be saved. Therefore, I'm going to despair. No, no. Keep your hopes high. And as the Lord says here, what? Strive to enter by the narrow gate. The narrow gate is the narrow gate of the cross, the narrow gate of the path of discipleship. Lord, how many will be saved? Yeah. No one knows is the honest answer. Don't despair, don't presume, hope, and follow the Lord. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.